Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Unright. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have our special guest, President of Indivisible Houston. But you know, that's only a small part of Daniel. Daniel uh, is actually much deeper than just the president of uh, Indivisible Houston. Cohen is all around Houston making changes and making sure things happen from the grassroots. Daniel Cohen, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's good to see you, brother. I, I uh, we, we haven't caught up in a while, man. I miss your face. I miss, I, I miss talking. I, I miss you too. But you know what, man? You're you're holding down the fort there in Houston like a champ as usual, making things happen. Hey, I heard through the grapevine that you have quite a story to tell me. I understand that uh, there is a race in Texas. It's not even a federal race, but it's likely the most important race to talk about and it may have quite a bit of repercussions talk to me okay so down here in houston the fourth largest city in the country uh we have a politician that's been around for 48 years his name is senator john whitmire his state senator is one of three democratic senators in the houston area he's a dean of the senate so he's been around a really long time he's got that uh status and recognition in terms of what's going on in the texas legislature um but Whitmire is on the wrong side of a lot of issues. Uh, there's prison issues that he's, he was famously uh, quoted on John Oliver on being the wrong side of prison issues and not wanting to put air conditioning into prisons. Um, he's also been on the wrong side of environmental issues uh, and has a number of other problems as a static politician. He came into politics as a George Wallace delegate. So we're talking wait, wait about- a minute, Wait a minute, George Wallace delegate as in George Wallace of Ye Yonder? Oh yeah, yeah, George Wallace delegate. Yeah, so he's he's. I mean, he came in with somebody who's a card carrying, you know, a, a conscious racist, if you will. Um, right. And in fact, the, the the most famous one in Democratic politics in decades, probably. And he, so that's that's the story on him. He's got nine million dollars, but he also um, has a history of not showing up for things and for leaving uh, Democrats holding the bag. So in two thousand three, there was a redistricting fight. A lot of people went to New Mexico to shut down the session. Whitmire was the one when the Senate came back in the session. He was the one that broke ranks and made it so that there would be a quorum to make that horrible redistricting go through when they carved up the state the first time. Uh, he also attended the Astros game when he was invited to discuss, as any senator wanted to weigh in, invited to discuss the horrible anti-voting legislation that passed Texas in this past year. So he didn't bother to show up for that fight either. There's a number of other fights that he's absentee on. But what's where he's really leaving us holding the bag is that he's going to run for mayor in 2023. He's been open about this. Yeah, he's he's been open about this. This is not a rumor. He's declared that he's running for mayor for 2023, which means that our governor, the infamous Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, can decide to not fill that seat after he vacates it 
or he can, you know, there, there may be other maneuvers that he can do. Um, but he's famous for not calling special elections. If not call, if delaying those elections benefits him politically, and it will, because if you get rid of John Whitmire, that's one less Democratic vote. Even if they play ball on a lot of issues, he'd still rather leave the seat empty than put somebody else in or call an election and give us a chance to elect another progressive. So um, one person who's a great community organizer and was very, very upset at the idea of him leaving us holding a bag named Molly Cook jumped into the race. And John Whitmire does, didn't know who Molly Cook was two months ago, but he knows who she is now. And she's an ER nurse who is currently, she's, she's minimized her, her role very much to run for this for right now, but she's been a, a long time ER nurse. And she also has been a lead organizer on the movement to stop the I-45 freeway development, which, which would destroy Which so them. far they've been slowing it down pretty well. They have been, yeah, the Department of Transportation, actually, they got them involved, and that helped a lot, because the state of Texas, the Texas Department of Transportation, also known as TxDOT, for right. those of you out there in other, other states, um, you know, has, has been hard charging for this. And if you look at the, the city, like the, the history of Houston, I mean, it's hard to stop crude oil from flowing, it's hard to stop concrete from flowing, and it's hard to stop uh, law enforcement from acting like cowboys and, you know, shooting at people. Those are like three really hard fights in this city. So to make any progress on stopping a road is a, a pretty impressive feat. Exactly. She do it alone. She knows that she did it with other people, but she was a person who got other people involved and her campaign's operating the same way. So they're knocking down doors, stuff like that, and, and talking to all kinds of voters. This is a new district. We just had another redistricting. I'm in Senate District 15 now. I wasn't in it before. You're kidding but, me. So no. what did it do to your um, to, to the chairperson of the precinct? Well, well, I mean, I'm fine. Oh, in terms of who's the Senate District chair, like me, I mean, I'm fine. I'm I still live in the precinct. So precinct. I live in the same precinct I did before. Right. But uh, I, you know, but but in terms of him, he doesn't know people over here. He doesn't he doesn't know people in my neighborhood. He has no idea what's going on when it comes to this. And he's only now coming to the realization that $9 million may not be able to save him because at this point, she's picking up club endorsements and there's infighting across all of the different Democratic traditional constituencies between people who are in Whitmire's camp and people who are in Molly's camp. If he loses, then it likely upends the mayoral race for Houston for 2023. And in Houston, we have the strongest mayor system of any city in yes. the United States. And, and it's huge amounts of money, huge budget, huge control down here, second largest port in the country, which means that this state level Senate district Democratic primary is the most important race that's going on in the country right now. Hands down, hands down that anywhere else, if you're if you are if you are a progressive who's looking at upsets, looking at opportunities, looking at, at the field, then I'm telling you, there's something wild going on down here in Texas. He's going to be very hard to beat. And she's not running like she's ever going to be ahead. She's running like, like she's behind, and she should. And so is everybody else down here. And there's a lot of dynamics, but it's pretty interesting stuff that's going on in, in Houston. Well, you know, earlier we were talking about some other candidates that are running as uh, running in, in, in the area. And in the state proper, I mean, uh, we have someone like Jasmine Crockett running up north uh, who got endorsed by Bernice uh, Johnson. And I am watching some good young candidates one that should have been you as well young good young candidates out there really starting to buck the system from a progressive viewpoint but understanding how to use their progressivity you know I, I spoke to Jasmine Crockett and 
she understands how it needs oh, to yeah. be done. And uh, now I spoke to a couple others that I won't mention right now who seem to understand that you're in Texas. Uh, some people are not necessarily aware and some people may succumb to some of the, the, the caricature that folks make of people who are trying to do goodwill. And they, they are cognizant of that and know exactly how they're going to campaign. How are you finding that with uh, Ms. Cook and others that you are surrounded by? Uh, she's, she's great. I mean, she comes across great. She has an answer in terms of everything that should be going on. Um, you can feel the energy. She's a fun person, I think. And I, that's, I know that in politics, you know, we have sort of a sour face a lot of times when we're looking at, I mean, these are important issues. Right. But she's a happy warrior. Um, and so I, I think I think there's something very beneficial about that. I'll also mention, of course, that while this is in Texas, we are talking about Senate District 15 in Houston, redrawn to include more urban areas. So it's it's not necessarily what you think of when you get out. Maybe somebody would think of when they get out, you know, even to Kingwood, right? They're like your right. stomping grounds, or even farther out than that, where it has a little bit, you know, less of the the this Houston specific stamp on it. Right. But having said that. Uh, I think that she is plain spoken. Her campaign is based on the idea that we should be looking after public health and all of its aspects before you end up in her emergency room. That there are so many different things that impact us um, that that we can solve. And man, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm. I know I'm talking. No, no, no. To You're not speaking to me. You're speaking to an audience. Hey, that, so yeah, if y'all watch Alberto, what he says about Medicare for all and the importance of it, fully aligned with the values of this. I mean, it's just that, that it's so important um, to make sure that we have real representation that understands that. I mean, the opposite of it, of course, is what we're getting from Whitmire is literally an empty chair. But if she would be better than just someone who's filling the chair. She would be somebody who actually focuses on, th on things like cleaning up the air, on preventing highways and developments that benefit developers and oil and gas men because of course we drive our cars on the road and pay for more gasoline um, as opposed to uh, and, and in the meantime not caring them not caring about the cost such as you know 500 houses getting eliminated right or businesses having to close because you put a highway through the middle or highways dividing neighborhoods if they, as they historically have in Houston where you have vibrant black communities put you know a highway through the middle of fourth ward several decades go by rename the place she's conscious of those issues and people like Whitmire for years have been holding the bag for the people who created those issues the people who dirty the air dirty the water dirty the roadways hurt our infrastructure divide communities I mean that so that it's like polar opposites right um I think What's really impressive as well, like beyond that, is that she really does know the issues from top to bottom. She was asked recently what her opinion was on the strong mayor system in the city of Houston. That's not a state Senate level issue, um, but she understands the overlap between the two. And what she said was not only should we change the system so that less people, uh, it takes less council members to get something um, on the agenda, which is something that several groups down here have pushed for as well, and actually making it a little bit more like other cities, but that we should actually have a lot more people. We should expand city council because Houston's a big city. It's huge. There's not it's enough very representation. diverse. Yeah. A lot of different areas too. Geographic right. and ethnic. Yeah. Yeah. And we have 10% turnout mayor and city elections. And so I, I think that she gets the issue. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, she's really inspiring and a happy warrior. Um, she has a good philosophy and a view on governance 
which is, you know, make sure that we take care of health. We're supposed to be proactive, not reactive. Reactive means that people get hurt in terms of protecting our public health. So I, I think she has something that it's based on, something that's focused on, and that when you look at all the different sub-issues within that, it's a, it's a clear delineation between her and the incumbent. So she, she's doing a great job. That's how she's talking. No, let me tell you something. And first of all, before, before I ask this one, do you think this race is one that needs to be nationalized? I think you should all, I think like, she, look, I'm going to speak to everyone here. Look, she needs the money, y'all. John Whitmire's got $9 million. He's got the backing of oil and gas. He's got the backing of developers. He's got the backing of finance. Um, he's got the backing of law firms. And she has the backing of the people. It's a straight up and down pick them fight, the most important primary in the country. So you definitely should check out Molly Cook's website. I believe it's Molly Cook for Senate. I'll confirm it for you, but you should give her the money. Honestly, if you got 15, 25 bucks, you want to make an excellent impact by backing a left movement against somebody who's an entrenched bad Democrat, like this is the time to do it. So yeah, de definitely back her. Now, um, the interesting thing about it, and I, I want to go uh, switch a little bit here. Uh, we've been, we, we had hopes uh, last, last cycle that we could have taken out, uh, and we almost did, taken out Cruz with uh, Beto. Beto is now running for governor. And I am of the opinion I am of the opinion, I, I am not looking at the polls specifically right now because I think polling has become a real bad science over the last, uh, not science, but whatever the hell it is. It has been, uh, it has been you know, pretty, uh, pretty inconclusive in it, it, over the last several, last couple of cycles. I, I know there are times that I would say, oh, the it came within the margin of error of the polls, but when the polls constantly pick, even though within the margin, it, constantly picks the wrong one you have to be a bit concerned about you know what, what's going on but anyhow i am of the opinion that texas is ripe for a takeover earlier than most believe if 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 democrats progressives go out there and do the work what's your thoughts on that oh i mean we gotta talk about what we mean in terms of ripe for takeover right so I'll give you the ups and the downs on it. Um, it is the revolution if you if you actually change the state government. Um, we still have conservative Democrats here, so we got you know like like a lot of places. There's several fights going let, on. Let me hold you right there right. because I need to stop you right yeah. there, real quick, real quick, because you just did you just hit the magic that I was talking about. I say we I say uh, we win the prime we we win the election in the primaries. In other words, you just said. With a, with a sort of a snark, we have conservative yeah. Democrats. So which means sure. the work that you're doing right now as far as saying, hey, let's start rewriting the map now with uh, the appropriate candidates, not the old guard, but there's a woman that wants to get in, the new guard. Okay, I just wanted to insert that to oh, sure. add some flavor. Yeah, def no, definitely. I mean, we, yes, we have to win the primaries. Um, I would say, you know, look, it's a heck of a fight and different parts of it are actually going to be won at different points. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that we're going to win because I think that you can't hold this up forever. I mean, when you got a grid failing, infrastructure damage is just, I mean, it's, it's instability is out of control. And then you got mass widespread uh, housing issues, health issues, like all this stuff going on. Eventually you're going to reach a point where people are going to figure out how to do it so that they can make sure their friends and family can live better lives. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you put people's survival on the line like that, eventually things will change um, one way or another. 
So I, I think that I just want to be clear there. I think that we're going to win the fight in Texas. Um, I don't like putting timelines on it for the same reason I, that you don't trust the polling industry. Right. Uh, you know, because a lot of people, you know, talk to cameras on pol- political shows and say, I think uh, this, this and this is going to happen. And <laughs> if we check their batting average, right, it's like it's bat- like 20 percent. You're like, why, why do I watch this guy? You know, because, um, you know, somebody's friends with some producer over at MSNBC or whatever it is. But, you know, you right now we're talking we're real. Right. So I'll be real in that. You know, I don't I don't like to like put years on things or when things are going to happen because I try to be careful and I really don't know. So I don't want to say a number because then I'm like misleading people or act more confident than I am. But I do think that things will change at different time periods. So the real, it's like the centerpiece in a lot of ways of it all is at the state level in terms of you ripple across the whole state. Right. Because a lieutenant governor can do whatever they want. The AG makes all our legal decisions across the state. And that's why you have this dual contradictory situation where they yell free enterprise. But then it's really just that corporations get all the money. Right. So, you know, socialism for the rich, right? or profits for the rich. And then, you know, the rest of us get to pay the bill. Right. And they make off with the money. Um, so that I mean, Texas is like the greatest example of that. There's a book about Houston in particular called Free Enterprise City which is uh, just about that. But as it relates to Houston, that they tout the free enterprise success of Houston. But when you look closer, it's neither successful at taking care of people, nor is it actually free exactly. enterprise. Because actually the oil and gas folks get whatever they want. Um, but nevertheless, so I think that you're going to see, I think that the statewide stuff, like the state level stuff, where they draw the lines for the congressional maps and for all the other state maps and things like that, that's where I see the most institutional power that ripples if you're talking about Texas as a whole. If you're looking at Houston, um, the most progress we've actually made is the county because Lita Hidalgo is a drastic, yes. drastic change from Ed Emmett. Even if, even if she's not, you know, it's it's like, is she, all county judges have to, you know, to be be someone, you know, across the party to some degree, right. things like that. But so I, I would never say I don't like in um, Lena Hidalgo to say AOC, like in terms of exactly where they are ideologically. But the change is hugely different. And her priorities are very aligned with what, the, you know, universal pre-K education, healthcare, criminal justice reform, stuff like that. She's moving the needles on the right stuff. So that appeals to a lot of people. And then we've got a Democratic majority on commissioner's court. And it looks like there's going to be a fourth person, a fourth Democrat. Now, that that could actually paradoxically weaken some of the left movement on council because it dilutes the power of other people. So if that person is for the to you know, for example, to the right of say Commissioner Rodney Ellis, at least on paper, who we all know to be mm-hmm. generally left if you just look at where he is on issues. Right. And that actually moves the court a little bit, even though it locks in a Democratic majority. So we'll have to probably pressure them. But the but when you compare that to city council, where you have a majority Democrats, you know, a Democratic council, we got this mayor who's, you know, in the pocket of the police unions and he appoints a Republican as the mayor. Pro t- and who, all, mayor who also sitting as a minority in minority uh, in the minority party in the House was able to have a chairman position. Yeah, he has a lot of stuff. I, I don't know. You look that up. I mean, he voted down a lot of like uh, just basic transparency bills, you know, just stuff like that, where it makes sense that somebody would go to City Hall after that, because, you know, that's where you go and you don't want everyone to see what you're doing with the money, right? Like it gets scrutinized. And he acts very offended whenever anybody scrutinizes what he does with the money and says, you know, you, you know, you know, if we have we have a vindictive mayor down here. But I mean, 
City Hall is hard. You got to topple the mayor's house probably to take City Hall. And there's a lot of candidates and it's a low turnout election and things like that. So there's challenges there. So I feel like the counties where we've made the most progress, the city of Houston and the city level stuff, but particularly Houston, that would be a big deal. Right. That's very, that's, that's kind of uphill fight. Austin also right now is an uphill fight. Some of the federal maps are starting to see some progress too. So I'd say like county and then the federal, and then you'll start seeing some of the other stuff here and there that starts to fall. Well, I, I tell you what I want to see um, going forward, and I'm, I'm hoping that some of our young folks like yourself and others in the movement will start doing that. Um, when it, it, my, my peeps were the Occupy peeps, okay, and we failed for some specific reasons, right? And uh, I, know, I, I know a lot of the a lot of the millennials think they were occupied, but hey, we, we old folks were really behind the uh, uh, Occupy. And if I had a dollar every time somebody told me they were the real force behind <laughs> Occupy, my man. You know, you my buddy wrote that. a book. My buddy wrote the book. <laughs> I interviewed him. He just wrote the book, the 10-year anniversary of Occupy. He wrote okay. the book. And I looked at him and I said, hey, how old are you, man? He's like, oh, I think he's like 46 years old, right? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm interviewing the guy who wrote the cast. I met him in, in <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, right? And I remember, I remember the genesis of all this stuff. I met him at the Democracy Convention in Madison. And I'm like, hey, guy, don't you know how many of us were really kind of the backbone of this stuff? And here you come and you write a damn book about it. <laughs> no, he, he's a great guy. I, I sat with lunch with him in Madison. And I mean, but he wrote the 10 year, look out for the 10 year anniversary of Occupy. He wrote it. Okay. And, and, and actually, he named me about 10, 15 times in the book, you know? Hey, yeah. that's a good man. See, so, he got the story right. He's great. He's yeah. great. But the thing about it, Daniel, is I'm waiting, you know, I'm, you know how you built, um, how you built Indivisible Houston? And Indivisible did quite a bit. I think it's time to go the next step to, uh, to, to move in. You, you, you have the plan, the city, where the city power lies, et cetera. I think it's time for, for the, the young folks to start infiltrating those spaces because those people need to feel it on their backs, like the fear they felt when Occupy they thought was going to change capitalism. Occupy came this yeah. close till, well, you know what happened. Hey, man, yeah, another whole other discussion. I'll, that, I'll probably be in the audience when that panel comes up. I'll let you and Michael White and everybody else, like, <laughs> kind of hash it out. But, no, I mean, I, hey, I, I think it's definitely time for change. Um, it's definitely, right, and, and I do think that folks, I think that you do have to use all these different levers. Mm -hmm. um, street actions, I don't think are, I think street actions have, still have value, but they've changed context a lot. That even from 2018, to, or 2016 to now, right. they've changed context and when it's effective, how it's effective, is it effective? Should we be using this tool for this? How do we want, why are we really here? Things like that. Those are big and important questions and they were being asked well before 2016 too. I know there, right. this has been discussed all the way back to, you know. Uh, uh, MLK days podcast. before that, yeah. Yeah, like even, I mean, right? So like, there's a lot of that question, you know, are we recreating MLK kind of imagery and, and try, you know, MLK kind of imagery when there's other things that are going on now that, you know, that, like what, what do we need to do in terms of our playbook? Um, you know, so, so I think that like that stuff's valuable, but we do also have to have candidates winning elections. And we I think that's to, where I'm going. Actually, I don't think yeah. I'm going for the, because look, first of all, the, the, the street movement, let's say with the, um, <clears throat> 
the what's his name the guy who got choked to death um george floyd george floyd the george floyd uh the george floyd protests i think are very responsible for a lot of changes but i don't know that it works twice that close together because people eventually get concerned about certain issues and go ahead you, you i saw well, no i mean i mean you know Tur turner down here shut down a lot of the progress i mean that was very measured nothing not much happened when it came to that and we bury a lot of history here too i mean in, in general that that that's and that's the challenge is that we've been looking at these mass march movements and we see limitations on them to some extent mm -hmm. i think that the political pressure of the last few years actually did a lot because it swung a lot of public opinion and it right. twisted a lot of arms. So like the early ones, for example, packing airports across the United States led to change in approval ratings that led right. to change in policy to some degree. Um, the Women's March, I think, led to a lot of people being energized, which led to a lot of like seats changing hands and public opinion changing on things. Right. Uh, a lot of the marches on- The during, March for uh, Life. The March for Life. The, uh, the, the oh, well, the Florida students, yeah. <laughs> oh sure yeah or or um you know the marches against family separation the, you right. know, the march against the official dhs policy we still have all kinds of horrible things going on but at least you know that changed that particular policy it got them to run at the time um and so th there were there were changes like that there were actions that took place but it varies by type of government you can go to city hall with 100 people it doesn't matter down here and it varies by a lot of times at least and but, it varies by um, issue, and it stopped working as well over time. And you, I agree, and, and that's why I mentioned, yeah. I agree with you 100%. And earlier you mentioned, you said something to the effect, running. And, you know, I, I, give, you a, I give you hell a lot of times, but, what I, I, but I, I, I do mean it. I think guys like you and a lot of guys in your posse, it is time for you guys to take it to the next level. Um, I, 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 I really do think it is time to get new leadership. I think it is time for younger folks to get in there and actually make the case. Though, first of all, most of those candidates uh, running right now, they're not 10% uh, as persuasive as you are with the material that can get to people. The thing about it is, when do you make the switch from activists to the person who goes ahead and campaign? And the thing about it is not campaigning in the old style that, that you have to meet X, Y, and Z. One of the reasons I enjoyed speaking to um, to Fulford, Fulford was it seemed like she was ready to make that calculated change. I'm not saying giving up on your progressiveness or anything like that, but be progressive, but in a manner that talks to people. I, like I told her, I said, you can come into Kingwood and you can tell these kids, these parents who are scared about their kids, I have these three kids. I love my three kids. I want to make sure that these things are right with your kids. She can come yeah. in and also to the oil men and say, my husband works for the oil company. My husband. I know. It, look, I, I, that's the part I talk about grow up now. <laughs> you know, not not you, sure. but others. My husband works for the oil company. Uh, he's, he, the, the change has to come from within and without, you know? And that's... It, well, it, it does, yeah. And you, well, and it's, it's a hard balance, too. You want to get people in who are going to be who can win and also stay themselves, stick to their values, things like that. Right. And you're going to need a sustained number for a really long time to make yes. any kind of dent in it. And then you, you, you got to win quite a few races. But um, I am I do generally agree with you that we need people we need 
a new generation of candidates. We are seeing them step up. We're seeing people step up right now. Corey Bush, yeah. Or Corey Bush. Whereas even down here, we're seeing a lot of young younger candidates yeah. um, stepping up. You're going to have some seats with some some of the younger Ben Chow. You know, another great candidate that people can support is is uh he's running in precinct four for commissioner's court. He's running against the right hand of a billionaire or former right, right hand of a billionaire uh, over at the Arnold Foundation. So he could use help. You know, that was it. He's he's the kind of guy who plans stuff on the ground, pressures the business chambers, he's pressured a JP before and kind of helped out with the tenants union, you know, one to one and, and some of those actions and pays his dues each month. And he's he uh, he's um, more than it, like one of his main accomplishments in all of it was he worked for he worked in the elections office and uh, made sure that drive through voting, you know, was a thing. And, and right. there were all these wonderful stories about people using that that as a method of voting, both Democratic and Republican and independent for that matter. Um, so point being, there's a lot of young candidates who are stepping up. The other thing though, is that, um, I, and I know I know we need candidates, but it's also just younger people kind of taking the reins and being in positions of power, whatever they might be. The directors right. of these nonprofits, you know, the, the head, because there's there are all kinds of issue groups, you know, organizations that are like, progressive training, leadership, discourse, whatever it is. And then when you look closely, there's a fight in there, just like there is in every other wing out there. Yeah. There's some centrists that want to make some, you know, want to make a few multiples on everybody else whenever they can. And then there's lefties who are like, no, like we, you know, you need, you, you know need what to we want. People, yeah. yeah. People unionize and support them. And like, we should be looking at our business and whether or not it's ethical. And like y'all are just picking up cash from anybody. So I think that like, there's, we got to win all these struggles. A new generation has to win struggles in these different places. But to your point about candidates, Molly Cook is absolutely one of the best candidates. Anybody well, we, look, we're coming up on time right now. And I want you to go ahead and tell me a little bit about where Molly Cook fits into this picture that you and I are talking about to make to effectively make that change from the old guard that's owned to a new guard who is not owned by the plutocracy, but by serving the people. All right. So, yeah, <clears throat> Molly Cook is someone who, like I said before, cares about all aspects of public health because she wants to make sure to address those issues before you end up in her emergency room. She is a trained ER nurse. She's also an organizer against the for, uh, Highway Interstate 45, which is going to destroy people's homes, businesses, and all kinds of other, and cause all kinds of other problems, divide neighborhoods. And she's taking on John Whitmire, who's a do-nothing, derelict in duty senator, one of the most powerful in the state of Texas, been there 48 years since George Wallace was a delegate. And it's a straight up and down kind of battle between someone who's going to represent people and somebody who is, in your words, uh, your commonly used phrase here, represent the plutocracy. So if you want a young candidate, the next generation of candidates taking on somebody who's been in office for 48 years for all the wrong reasons, wants to leave us holding the bag while he goes off to run for mayor before he finishes his next term, you should support Molly Cook. Molly Cook for Texas Senate, Senate District 15. Reach, you know, reach in your pocket if you got it. Give her a Bernie. Give her 27 bucks. Like, <laughs> hook her up, right? Like, give her a Bernie. Please, She's running against a guy with $9 million who just wants to buy this seat and then buy the mayor's mansion and vacate his seat and leave us at the will of Greg Abbott. So please, if Molly Cook fits into the picture because she's taking this guy on. You know, I mean, she, she wants to beat him. And she needs to be able to even that finance, take away his financial advantage. She doesn't need $9 million, But if y'all can do out there what you've done for so many other candidates as audiences of left-leaning listeners, trying to help people and good candidates win fights and win primaries and things like that, 
now's the time to do it. So that, that's, that's, why, that's where Molly Cook fits into the picture. Daniel Cohen, president of Indivisible Houston, all around activist. And he's not just a Texas activist. He's not just a Houston activist. He's a national activist. It's been my pleasure. It's been my honor to have you as usual. Senor Cohen. Thank you, Berto. You're awesome, man. Keep doing what you do. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.